Hey, everybody. Welcome to the For the Win podcast. It is Friday, and I am Helmut Javeri. Joining me today is Chris Corman at the end of what feels like a very, very long week. Uh, yeah, one of the longest and, and strangest weeks I've ever had writing about sports and sort of looking at this intersection of sports and culture. It really is uh, just unlike any, certainly in our lifetime. You know, I think there may have been other times where it was this heated, but man, this week, I it was, it was weird. So I have been watching uh, the Vietnam documentary on right. PBS. Right. And uh, I will say that it's given me a lot of perspective in that I assume that things in the 60s, uh, the late 60s, early 70s were much more uh, turbulent, Sport, not even sports related, right? So it gave me a little bit of context as to how to interpret what we're going through right now. Right. And in a way that kind of made me feel better that I was like, okay, well, it doesn't seem as bad as it was in the 60s. Um, but it still it has been a really crazy, crazy week. And it's, I mean, it's been exhausting. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard so many people talk about the Vietnam, doc, you know, watching the Vietnam mm-hmm. documentary and and having the same realization you had that like, oh, my gosh, like this isn't really the only time this has ever happened. Yeah. And it's so strange because we still talk about Muhammad Ali all the time. Yes. Right. Like Muhammad Ali is, uh, you know, was the most written about athlete of the last century. And people still he is still a factor in our culture now. But we don't seem to realize that he is who he is because you know, of the, the social stances that he took, like mm-hmm. we, it, it somehow didn't transfer. And really what I think you're seeing so much of is that for a long time, our sports were devoid of politics. Like yeah. somehow we did get to this place where, where we were allowed to see sports and politics being separate, which is silly, right? Like mm-hmm. sports, sports are played and watched by people who vote and make political decisions. But we really did have this era of like, it's relatively separate and it was shattered by really by the president of the United States. Well, in 1968, we had those two Olympians uh, protest with the black power salute on the medal stand. I think it's Tommy Smith and John Carlos. So as much as I think we want to pretend that sports has been devoid of politics, it really kind of keeps infiltrating and the NCAA coming in this week, uh, or the FBI, you know, coming into the NCAA this week is just another example of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just go back to, uh, you know, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, a, a guy who was uh, really sort of pushing the movement back then and trying to get athletes involved and, and using their, their voice to enact social change was, was Dr. Harry Edwards. Uh, and he, you know, ever since then, and is still giving the, giving these thundering lectures. You know, if you've ever seen him speak, uh, he's just such a powerful speaker. But he's been working on this for, you know, half a century. He's been trying to get athletes to fight for their rights, and specifically college athletes. He's been mm-hmm. trying to get young black college athletes, you know, who come from difficult backgrounds and end up at a school making that school, now more than ever, that school makes billion you know millions of dollars and then the the whole operation is is a multi 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 billion dollar endeavor uh he's been trying to get those athletes to to fight for their rights and find a way to at least you know at least control their likeness at least be able to profit on endorsement deals or signing autographs uh that's been one of the things he's worked at and that's why the fbi ended up getting into this case is because this money has to be shuffled it has to be done under the table it has Mm -hmm. to be moved around 
and and they decided that it was being done illegally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it all all of that crashed, you know, together this week. Um, and it's, it's been and it's been a really all these issues are very intertwined, right? It's so hard to kind of extrapolate all one from the other, which I think is what a lot of people want to do, because right. you can't really take away the exploitation of young people not being able to make money off their names with the fact, you know, when they're just playing on the court, like all of that goes together and, and people want to be able to ignore the rest of it so they can just focus on what's happening, you know, between the borders, which right. is right. not which is not possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really am uh, surprised, I think, at the level of uh, the response out there that, like, I, you know, my Sunday is a day that I get to detach yeah. from the real world, and, and sports is just supposed to be sports, and I don't want to be confronted with any of this. And I had some, like, sort of honest and frank discussions back and forth with people who were saying that, trying to understand their side and I found myself just typing over and over, like, that was the point of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. He, he, pop, he popped your bubble, and he did it. I mean, taking a knee is a benign thing. You know, the yeah. guy is not, he's not out there, he's not turning his back on the flag. He's not, he's not making, you know, he's not doing anything truly disrespectful taking a knee is is seen as a sign of respect it's what players do to coaches when the coaches talk well Uh, have you seen um eric brady's column in the new york times i think he had that out on sunday where he talked about how they coordinated with a veteran to figure out okay what is a more respectful way to do this right so they very much are thinking about these issues right and uh, you know that's that's the thing is that they uh, let's let's be very clear that we had two there are two separate types of NFL protests. There mm-hmm. was the original protest, which was really just a handful of guys with a with very clear intent. Like they very clearly decided what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it, the messages they were trying to send. And it was more about social inequality. It was more about, uh, you know, policing in America. Uh, they, they were really had a, a, a message. And then Donald Trump took that and, and, uh, elevated it, quite frankly, into something broader, which it wasn't, uh, you know, and, and Trump was tapping into something that already existed. I mean, this is something that yeah. a portion of the country was talking about and they were offended by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he inflamed it. And, and the players who kneeled last weekend, that was really in response to Donald Trump, uh, you know, them seeing sort of overreach from the president saying, hey, we think that those people should be fired and calling them. Uh, you SOBs. Know. Right, SOBs. Yeah. So, well, it's uh, a, and in a weird way, it's a natural response, right? And because I can understand uh, the level of outrage when the president attacks uh, your fraternity, e- even for the white players or the players that are not taking a knee. To a degree, there is certain solidarity among NFL players. And I don't think anybody re- reacts well to the president calling anybody in their group, in their core group, uh, SOBs. So I can see that uh, the initial Sunday demonstrations were a bit of a hodgepodge, right? It's people who are upset about what Trump had said and the way he had attacked uh, uh, players who had chosen to take a knee. And it was also a reaction by teams and owners who were kind of afraid that this is going to go, was going to spiral out of control. Um, And so they had to find almost, they had to find ways to, to, to de-escalate. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, as you, you sort of 
led a lot of the discussion about this this week with with the NHL uh, and players there grappling with how they were going to deal with it. And eventually Wayne Simmons came out and said, mm-hmm. you know, we really we need to whatever we do, we need to turn this back to the original point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we are. I mean, I think a lot of people are saying that a lot of people are realizing that what the NFL is doing now the uh, you know linking arms together, kneeling before the anthem, and then standing up for the anthem. All that is is watered down and basically meaningless, right? Yeah. It's all just part of the show now. Uh, so it's sort of I think it was uh, gosh, who who was it? Arian Foster this morning who who wrote like, hey, stop doing anything. Yeah, you know, it, like everyone doesn't need to do something. Like let the five or six or seven or eight people who were serious about fighting this fight yep. continue to fight the fight. Bring it back there, uh, and I, I do think that's where it's headed. You know, I think that as as you see with the NFL, you know, things happen. Uh, think about when the NFL was all about we're we're gonna help solve domestic violence, mm-hmm. and they do have programs in place that have been been working. But it was a, a cause to lead for a few minutes, and then uh, it really moved on. And I think that's the danger here is that that we almost you know Colin Kaepernick what he was working for has been swallowed up by the rest of this fervor and and I'm I'm wondering how we get back and figure out uh what to do because the NFL is 70% black right and uh you know it is really a place where the the minority is a majority mm-hmm. and where we should be talking about these things these people should be driving some of this conversation it's you know that's okay but how do we make it work with the million, you know, with seemingly millions of fans who don't want anything like that to enter into their sports. I don't I don't know how we bridge that gap. I don't know. Well, first of all, it's like it's protest theater, right? To go back to what is happening in the NFL right now. It is a show and it's a spectacle. It's protest theater. It's not actually protesting. They have made their statement and they have shown unity. And uh, I understand that teams have already released statements about what they're going to do on Sunday. Um, But it's all been very choreographed, very sanitized. uh, And they have co-opted Colin Kaepernick's protest, right? Because of Trump's comments and the way it's all gone through, they've, they've been able to repurpose what his original message was so if Kaepernick was still in the league you know maybe he would decide to do something different maybe he would not do something different I'm not saying that the NFL the kneeling isn't the place to 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 make a statement but I'm saying that I think his original protest he succeeded right he wanted to draw attention to it like right and this is what Joel Ward said right we have your attention. So now it's time to move the conversation forward. Right. Right. And, and to anyone saying like trying to pretend that Colin Kaepernick hasn't done that, that's insane. Yeah. The guy ha- has pledged a million dollars and is giving it to programs that matter and is showing up himself at the, you know, when, when these, when these funds are being used, he's, he's there, he's talking to kids. Uh, it's all very evident on his Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, he is trying to do things that help. Um, and, and, you know, you have Michael Bennett showing up, Michael Bennett and Doug Baldwin being on a, a town hall, you know, mm-hmm. a CNN town hall. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick has been wildly successful doing exactly what yeah. he meant to do. Uh, it, it's more of a discussion now. Uh, if people don't like that and they want to turn off the NFL, then, you know, so be it. That's... Well, we have seen people try to burn tickets and jerseys and all these right. other things. And I bet very few of them are actually going to stop watching their favorite team. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, 
I, I think the burning the jersey thing is like it's such a waste they, of money. Right. I, all these people are going to buy jerseys again, right? Oh, yeah. Like, all they did was they just ensured that they're going to refinance the NFL, <laughs> you know, in, in three weeks, and they're like, man, I, I really, I really miss wearing my jersey. Like, you yeah, know, maybe, I really miss my Brady jersey. Darn, <laughs> right. shouldn't have burnt it. <laughs> right. And you know, maybe they'll buy a jersey from some player who didn't kneel, but you're still, you're still funding the same. Yeah, you're still paying well, into the NFL's pocket. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I cannot imagine this having a long-term impact on the no. conference league. I mean, it, it may slow it in, you know, the, the tiniest amount, you know, maybe, maybe the league only grows by a billion dollars next right. year instead of a billion five, you know? Um, but I, and that's been I, listening to sports talk radio or looking in all these places. There, there's a fair amount of it. You know, there are mm-hmm. bars in Baltimore where they're getting, you can see they're putting Raven stuff on the side of the curb. They're putting it out to the trash, but um, I, I just cannot see it having a long-term impact on the way the game sort of infiltrates our society. No, I, I don't either. I think that this conversation, however we're going to have it and however we're going to c- continue to keep having it uh, is going to go beyond, is not, is going to go beyond just players, which, which is good, but I think it will also not hurt the NFL in any way. And the thing to look at is that it really hasn't hurt the NBA. You've got NBA players who are very outspoken and no, there has been no kneeling in the NBA, correct? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, there's been shirts, there's been certainly yeah. a lot of talk. I mean, LeBron James has you know, openly campaigned, like literally campaigned for Hillary Clinton. Right, um, right. There's been a lot of political activism in the NBA and I don't think it's hurt the NBA at all. Right. No, I mean, it's... Are they are they a league to look to as an example, you think? I, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, there's... I, I think that football is a different thing because of how popular it is in college towns that aren't urban. You mm-hmm. know, football is... For whatever reason, football is a sport that is beloved a lot of places, whereas pro basketball, pro baseball pro hockey are very sort of urban centric. They're mm-hmm. popular around cities, which tend to be more liberal and tend to have people who, you know, are sort of okay with this sort of thing. Whereas, you know, the, the heartland of the country, um, you know, it's hard to talk about these things without generalizing, but the, a lot of the country that when you look at one of those electoral maps mm-hmm. is very red. Mm-hmm. Football is still incredibly popular there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that makes it a, a, a different thing. Uh, you well, know, the, and, and, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't, it's hard for me to divorce. It's so interesting because football is going to continue being played more and more by people who are poor and mm-hmm. who see it as a good option. You know, again, another thing we heard, uh, this was last Friday, Aaron Hernandez had a, a terrible case of CTE caused by brain trauma mm-hmm. and, and it, Really, people were saying like, "Oh, this is going to change the narrative. This is going to change everything about football. This is a, a terrible day for football." And then Trump made his comments and erased basically all of that talk. Yes, but it is true that we are trending. We have been for a while. We are trending toward fewer and fewer uh, upper middle class kids being allowed to play football. Those mm-hmm. people are are reading and saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm not going to let my kid tackle." Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. So. Where is it happening? It's happening in inner cities where black kids are saying, I'll take that risk. You know, this is one of my ways out. And it's happening in small, uh, you know, small middle America where they're, right. they're 
the same sort of jobs that there used to be. Um, so football is going to be more and more a diverse uh, and, and you know, middle-class sport uh, in a lot of ways. So it's, it's really, its position is so interesting. It, it really speaks to a totality of American in America in a way that a lot of sports don't. You know, I think the NBA is, is a very uh, urban-centric game. It's, you know, and, and I don't mean inner city. I, right. I mean, you know, Philadelphia and the five uh, counties around it. That's who's really paying attention and loving uh, NBA basketball. So uh, the, the NFL is just tough. But the, but the NBA... No. I don't know. I think the NBA also, I don't know if I agree with that because I think that the NBA is also hugely popular overseas, right? Like it's hugely oh, yeah. popular in China. And right. a lot of that has to do with the players being open and uh, more personality driven even than in football. We're not even talking about the NHL because that's just a whole different thing. But so much of NBA culture comes down to being open and being accepting of people's different personalities, people from different places, and people with different political views, right? And they're being allowed to express all of those things. And I think that in the NHL and the NFL, that's definitely tamped down quite a bit. So it isn't so much about, well, this, I don't think it's that much about, well, this sport is popular in this region and this sport is popular in that region. I think that, yes, obviously NFL is America's sport, right? And it's way more popular in the heartland, in the middle than, you know, than NBA might be. Um, but it, and it's not just on that divide though. I think that the NBA has done a lot to make itself more relevant. I was talking to a friend yesterday who doesn't know anything about basketball or cares about sports at all, but is very aware of Steph Curry because he's been so politically outspoken. Um, so it's just better for their branding to, to be seen as that way. And I think it actually pulls more people into the league. I could definitely see how, you know, like we said, yeah, it's, this is not going to these protests are not going to hurt the NFL's viewership in any way. But I can see that it will turn off fans who have not watched the league and now probably aren't really going to aren't going to take up football. Right. Like it's it's not something that's going to pull them in. It's going to be something they can be like, oh, well, NFL is just played by a bunch of, you know, uh, mouth breathers that really only know how to hit anyway. Right. So it kind of confirms people's worst opinions of players. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's very, very possible, you know, I, but, but just the fact that we're having this conversation, I mean, it, it, it's so 2017, right? Like the, the fact that somehow we ended up trying to decide like, is football too liberal? Is it too conservative? Yeah. We just never even, you know, and, and football, like you said, it, it really is such a unique thing because it, it, it's America's game and it's only America's game. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep, they keep trotting over to London to try to force, people outside of America to care and and they're getting some traction but like you said you know NBA basketball players are hugely popular other places hockey there are leagues all over the place yeah. baseball you know there's a fairly robust league in Japan football is very american very it's really american, yeah you know it it really it fits us because you know we sort of i, I think as a nation we sort of like the fact that we're the only ones who've really figured it out we're mm-hmm. the, really the only ones who who care as deeply as we do. Um, so there's something deep about it. You know, the fact that uh, baseball was, was America's game for a long time, but uh, it's really, it really caught on. You know, it's, it's popular all over the world. But football, we have this weird ownership of it. Yeah. Uh, 
and and we kind of do feel like because we own it 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 is very american and that might be why people get so freaked out if you if you dare take a knee during the anthem um the one of the things that you wrote this week that i really liked was about andrew uh villanueva who came out of the steelers rock locker room on sunday with his hand over his heart while the rest of the team stayed inside the tunnel and he had a really very conflicted reaction about doing that yeah i mean yeah alejandro villanueva you know is a former army ranger and wait uh, i messed up his name what did i say did i say it, andrew it's, yeah it's yeah, alejandro it's, yeah yeah he goes by al a lot of okay um <laughs> I think that's what people in Pittsburgh call him. But he, you know, he comes out and ends up, you know, in our news cycle, this all this stuff is happening, right? This 9.30 a.m. Uh, on the East Coast Sunday is when the Ravens and Jacksonville, were they were in London playing, and they were the first to, to do anything. And so it sort of, like, starts this boil of the news, right? And and then by the time he's out there standing uh, alone, yeah. uh, the Pittsburgh coach, Mike Tomlin, had already said, like, oh, we decided as a team we're not going to – we're all going to stay in the locker room. And so it looked like he had consciously broken with his coach yep. and said, I'm going out there. I'm an Army Ranger. I have to do this. You you know, it's not okay to not stand for the flag. So it looked that way. Um, and the next day he comes out and says, you know, hey, I didn't mean for that to happen. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, I mistakenly got caught out there. He was going to stand at the front of the tunnel with the captains, but then he ended up getting separated, and then the song was on, and so he ended up talking about it. And I will tell you that there are a ton of people who don't believe him, who mm-hmm. think that, you know, who think that he was for, he was coerced into saying that, uh, that, you know, the, the team got mad that he made Tomlin look bad and the other players look bad, and they're forcing him to say this. Um, you know, I don't know how we would ever know that. Right. I don't know how we're going to know what's in his heart. But I do know that what he said, you know, what he said is worth listening to about right. his thoughts on this. And that is that as as a veteran, he is not offended because mm-hmm. he went he fought for the right to uh, of freedom of speech uh, to protest in any way you see fit to say this flag does not stand for what I want this flag to stand for. And therefore, I am going to kneel to try to enact the change that I want to see. Uh, you know, he fought for those rights. And, and, you know, to me, that was, there were many poignant things said this week, but that really, watching that press conference uh, really was what hit home for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, of what, of what someone who's been there really thinks about this. It's funny because that whole situation, how difficult it was for the team to communicate on this issue for him to communicate with his teammates on the issue and for the way it was received, it was all very complicated and it was very uncomfortable for people. Right. But I, but I think that the way the Steelers have handled it, not even so much that they've handled it, but the, what happened with the Steelers is just this microcosm of what's happening across America. Right. Because there's people that have the right intentions for all kinds of different points of view. Right. Mike Tomlin just wants to keep his players safe. He just doesn't want anybody to get called out and, and be targeted in either way for it. So he tried to do what he thought was best uh, uh, Villanueva tried to do what he thought was best for his morals. And, you know, it's nothing against taking a knee. He just wanted to do uh, what he felt he had to do without alienating the rest of his team. The team listened to their coach and the fans saw every, you know, and the fans have a way of interpreting each of these events. So it leads to incredibly uh 
uncomfortable conversations. And I loved his point about that, which was that like, which was that, yeah, we have to keep talking about it. And I'm sorry that, you know, he said that he was embarrassed that that picture was up there, which I don't think anybody would be to me. It just seemed that seemed very honest. It didn't seem that he was coerced to say that, but you know, people will believe what they want to believe. It seemed very genuine, but that whole situation was like, well, this is just like happening. Multiply it a million times over. And this is what's happening across the country. Right. Right. And to that point, you know, I, I don't think he was coerced because the face of the actual face of the franchise, Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. came out and said, oh, I think we we messed up. Yeah. We should have been out there for the anthem. I don't think you should ever kneel. I don't think the anthem is the right time to protest. So yeah. so Ben Roethlisberger came out and said what a lot of people wanted uh, Villanueva to to mean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, yes. they saw that picture and that's what they thought it meant. Yeah, they and very much just. Impose their own own meaning onto that photo, right? But Pittsburgh, you know, to to the Steelers' credit, they let Ben Roethlisberger come out and say that, yeah. And that's that's fine. Yeah. Like, that's where we need to be. We need yeah. to be able to say one person needs to be able to say, "I think it's totally wrong," and then another person needs to be able to say, "I, I disagree with you," and here's why. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if we've gotten there. You know, that's what I, I think. That's you know, it's it's Friday afternoon after this weird week, and we're all sitting here, sort of like, "What just happened? Yeah, what's?" happened Sunday. And I'm not sure. I don't know how much, how close we've gotten to that. I know there's been a ton of talk about it. And I think some of it certainly that I've had with readers has been, you know, somewhat positive. Mm-hmm. And there's been some people who have been moved and some people, and, and at least I think people feel like they're being heard. Yeah. Um, well, but I, I don't know. It, it it may even seem invisible, right? The progress, because we're at very different places in all of the leagues. We talked about the NFL. We talked about the NBA. Um, right. And it may, it may not look like it, but this is probably the first time that we've had these discussions in the NHL. And when I say it may not look like it, I mean that, you know, NHL players gave the very expected responses to this, which was that they didn't understand uh, Colin Kaepernick's original protest because they kept saying, well, I respect the flag and I would never do that. Right. Which just shows right. me immediately that they, they don't even understand what the actual conversation is. Right. They're, they're sticking to uh, what they have, you know, misleading headlines that they've read. They haven't taken the time to really delve deeply into what's happening. So in the NHL, it may seem like uh, uh, that they, there has been no progress, but the fact that people are talking about it, that the few block players in the league we're now openly discussing race in that league is a huge, huge thing because it, it has not really happened. Right. And, and there, there is a fair amount of racism mm-hmm. that those players, because they are such a minority, you yeah. know, the things that would not happen. I mean, there have been bananas, you know, yeah. thrown uh, things that just would never happen in uh, football and, and basketball still happen. Uh, in the NHL and, and it's worse like the junior ranks which are uh, small a lot of them are played in smallish towns in Canada um, you know or minor league hockey which is played in smallish you know towns in America mm-hmm. it's even worse there and so to get guys like Wayne Simmons Joel Ward uh, at least talking about this you know it's it's a huge positive and and you know, like you said, both Ward and Simmons were, were great about it. Uh, yeah. You know, we're very, very careful about it. But, uh, you know, certainly said things that that needed to be said. And, and I, I think that they are sort of poised to act yeah. the next time that they 
uh, feel the need to. I think so. I think it's very, it's almost invisible incremental progress in the NHL, but I think this is how it starts, right? right. Uh, the interesting part to me is that Blake Wheeler of the Winnipeg Jets was the one that was like, this <laughs> right. is wrong. Like he was the one NHL player that sent out a tweet that was like, are you kidding me? And it's right. so funny. I did not expect the Winnipeg Jets guy to, to be the one that was leading the charge, but good for him. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah, totally unexpected. Yeah. Um, we kind of already talked about this, but uh, in in a short amount of time, where do you think this goes? Like, w- immediate aftermath of what happens on Sunday. Like, I know teams have already said, we're going to link arms, and they've, they've like, tried to get in front of uh, the speculation right. of what the teams are going to do. Um, but what do you yeah. think? Like, I, I, yeah, I think, it, I think it will fade away a little bit. You yeah. know, I think that it will... Uh, like you said, I think the the teams will sort of script things, uh, and that maybe it'll go back to the same old players who were doing it before. You know, Malcolm Jenkins has been raising a fist, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, in a lot of ways, is a, is a is a more uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, a right way to put this, but you know, it has more meaning. It has more inherent meaning than kneeling. You know, I mean, Malcolm yeah. Jenkins is is. I mean, that's a very clear statement uh, of, for, for black rights. You know, he's, he's echoing uh, Tommy Smith, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, and John Carlos. So, you know, he's really making that link, whereas the Kaepernick thing was uh, the kneeling is a lot more you know, amorphous. It's not not totally clear what that means. So, well, it was much back- bolder. I mean, the Kaepernick thing was very, very bold. It, right, it worked. Right? You know, I mean, it worked. Uh, yeah. Right. You. Uh, you know, I've been trying to think about if uh, if fans ever started taking a knee, like what my response would be, and I don't know if I would have the would have the courage to do that. Like, I, I, my, my worry would be for like my physical safety. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, NFL stadiums are, uh, you know, it's it's a tough place to be. Yeah. You know, if you're following the crowd, you know what I mean. It's very. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I think a lot of this will will fade away. Mm-hmm. I think that it will go back to. Uh, a, a couple of people who feel the need to uh, continue raising awareness about this, um, and then the league will sort of roll forward. Yeah. That's what it does, you know. The yeah. um, and again, we, we've been comparing the NFL to so many other sports. But the other thing about the NFL is that it has a huge locker room. You know, mm-hmm. the NBA, uh, the, the players probably are feel free to act more like individuals because there are fewer of them, mm-hmm. and it's it's okay to be an individual on the court. It's okay. LeBron James needs to do all the great things LeBron James does. Football is a very interlocking game where you're supposed yeah. to be, uh, you know, it's it's all about your relationship to your teammates. And it is just such a huge ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a pro locker room is 53 guys plus some scouting team guys plus 10 coaches. Uh, it's a totally different uh, ecosystem in there. So I really think that it will, uh, because the NFL does this, it will sort of slide back toward uh, toward everyone having more or less a unified stance. Um, but, but hopefully like you've been saying, it's incremental, you know, cause you do have guys like Aaron Rodgers uh, saying like, you know, we need, we need to be able to express ourselves. We need a- anyone who, who wants to say, wants to share a message mm-hmm. needs to be able to, do that. we need to be able to listen to them and give them that opportunity. So hopefully we've, we've ticked up one notch yeah. in that direction. I, I think that it be, it depends on, what happens next that's really the the tipping point um 
I think these things are very driven by instances. So if you if you see certain instances of anything happens that kind of reignites a spark, that will be interesting. But I agree with you. I think that for the time being, it kind of dies down. We're going to have some linking arms. And then, you know, I would say two weeks from now, it's all forgotten. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's a very good chance. Yeah. <laughs> all right. On that note, thanks so much for hanging out with us, Corman. Sure. Thank you. Uh, you can find us in the iTunes store or you can listen to us on SoundCloud. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hems and Barry. And Chris, what is your Twitter handle? It's just uh, Chris Foreman. At Chris Foreman. Um, and we will see you guys.